You're listening to Love Your City. It's a Movement Australia podcast. We believe that communities can be transformed as a unified church in every city or town lives and proclaims the gospel into every sphere of society. We'll tell stories from where this is already happening. We'll dig into the Bible to better understand God's heart for cities and towns. And we'll discuss practical strategies. Because no matter where you live, a gospel movement can happen. Today I'm joined by a guest that I know reasonably well. I actually had to live with him for many years, which was a great pleasure. Lyle Shelton. Um, we're wanting to have a conversation today around the issue of politics, which is very important when it comes to seeing our cities flourish in God. But let me tell you a little bit about Lyle. Uh, he's the former Toowoomba City Councillor and Managing Director of Australian Christian Lobby. During the 2017 same-sex marriage plebiscite, he was a director and spokesperson for the Coalition of Marriage. Today, he splits his time between communication consulting and political staffing, as well as many hours on Facebook and sometimes annoying his sister. But um, welcome, Lyle. <laughs> Thank you, Tish. Uh, I'm happy to be here so long as uh, I don't cop the sort of abuse that I do on Facebook. Um, everyone, the... Um, Everyone knows. You, Everyone knows who uh, abuses more. I'm still recovering from many years of trauma from being your sister. But anyway, jokes aside, we do love each other. Um, and this is a very serious and important conversation today. Um, you know, Lyle, many people would think politics is a bit bland or boring um, or just why bother? Um, I know you think differently. So just uh, tell us why Christians should engage in politics. Yeah, well, that's that's a big question. Um, look, I think a lot of people find it boring or bland because they probably feel overwhelmed by it and think, how can I make a difference? But we need to be involved in politics because that's where the decisions are made that affect all of our lives. And that's where decisions about justice, uh, about what we as Christians know as, as righteousness, um, moral judgments, uh, every decision made in a parliament is, is a moral decision, whether it's about um, economics, taxation rates, uh, welfare, uh, or whether it's about um, whether taxpayers are compelled to pay for the killing of unborn babies. Um, all of these decisions are made in parliaments by elected people uh, who are elected by us, the citizens, uh, in democracies like Australia. And so we should care about the decisions that they make and we should seek to use the tools of democracy to influence them so that the decisions they make um, reflect love of neighbour. Mm -hmm. Which is a scripture we know. I was about to ask, could you give us some scriptural references <laughs> just for the theologians who could be watching this today on just how important it is to engage politically? Yeah, well, you, you've got, um, you know, an audience of people that are far more qualified in theology than me. But um, look, you know, I, I might as well go, I guess to I guess part of the key theological reason that that I think we should engage, and that is because the gospel is good news for all of life, um, not just for our personal salvation. And I think um, one of the big mistakes that the church has made is we've truncated the doc gospel to uh, meeting Jesus and uh, having a relationship with him and and you know seeing that as our ticket to heaven um, in in fairly you know crude sort of terms. Uh, that's where we've sort of truncated the gospel to. And now all of that's really important and everyone needs to meet Jesus and know him and, and uh, you know, be with him when we, we die. But 
the gospel is far bigger than that. And, um, you know, Jesus, uh, in his prayer that he taught his disciples to pray, said, um, pray that thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And so we've been focusing too much on trying to get out of earth to heaven instead of on what Jesus talked about, and that is bringing heaven to earth. And one of the biggest ways that I've observed that hell comes to earth is through our parliaments in our Western democracies. And I've personally watched at local government, state government and federal government level, uh, elected people, my fellow Australians sit and put their hands up to things which bring hell to people's lives because they haven't had the will or the courage to resist or they've just been too ignorant and gone along with a proposal that someone's put forward. So um, I think it's really important that the gospel applies to not just to our personal salvation, obviously it should apply there, but it needs to apply to the project of bringing heaven uh, to earth so that there can be peace and shalom in our society. Yeah. Now, then again, we uh, as Christians, we might think, well, it's great if we can get a Christian politician uh, voted in, that's awesome, then we can relax and don't have to do any work. Is, is that still the case? No, um, and it, it really bothers me, and I'm going to probably be a little bit <laughs> probably oversharing here, but because you're my sister, Tish, um, you've, you've got me in a place where I'll say things that I perhaps shouldn't say prudently, but it bothers me when I hear um, comments from pulpits uh, about our Christian Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, and, and how wonderful that is. Now, on one level, yes, that is wonderful, but um, he still presides over a government that each year in the budget uh, allocates a substantial amount of your and my money uh, from Medicare, uh, which is from, paid for our, from our Medicare levy to pay for uh, the uh, abortion of, of, of babies. Um, and that's been going on for decades in this country. And uh, apart from one brave Liberal Party Senator from Tasmania about 10 years ago who, who moved a disallowance motion, which went nowhere, uh, no one has, has tried to to stop that. And that's just but one of many injustices that I could cite that are not fixed by having a, a Christian Prime Minister. Mm, absolutely. Um, and so we just can't rest on the laurels of people in there. We've, we have to engage in it ourselves. And if there's something that bothers me is uh, that when it comes to election time, I have a huge amount of Christians asking me who should they vote for. <laughs> Uh, in other words, you know, they have no idea who's even running or um, haven't even taken the time to get to know their candidates, which again can seem boring and when we're busy, but, but why should we um, get to know who they are and what they stand for? Well, we should say that it's not just a mad rush at election time trying to work out who we should vote for. Um, the sort of political system that Australia has, um, which we borrowed from the American and the British system, is, is what's called a participatory democracy. And it was only ever meant to work if the citizens were engaged in it. It was never meant to be a set and forget system, which is where most of us have left it. And, and part of it's because we don't understand it anymore. We feel overwhelmed. We feel like the system's too big, that I can't make a difference. And um, let's face it, life's pretty good in countries like Australia. And so people, you know, politics hasn't really in recent decades bothered a lot of people. They've got on with their lives, they make some good money, have a lot of fun, enjoy life, enjoy the material bounty of a beautiful country like Australia. Meanwhile, people who do have uh, nefarious agendas, um, who want to, you know, legalise prostitution and enslave young women in illegal prostitution trade, passed laws 20 years ago here in the state of Queensland and ignore the evidence 
to the contrary because their ideology says this is what must happen. Um, you know, we've seen marriage redefined in recent years. We're seeing pressure on freedom of speech and freedom of religion, all because we've checked out of politics, don't know who the people are that are pushing these agendas, what's informing their thinking and, and where their power structures come from and um, where we leave a vacuum of disengagement others have rushed to fill it and they've gotten away with murder literally uh, and with passing a whole bunch of laws now that have made uh, a lot of Christian belief um, illegal to talk about in public. Mm. Now we, we, we want to talk about um, local politics and in our city. Uh, we as citizens in a city actually have a right to see our politicians. Uh, sometimes we can look at our MPs as big important people. Um, but, you know, as a lot of people know, I'm now running a campaign in our city with our mayor around pornography. But that started because I just rang him up and said, can we have coffee before he was even mayor? And um, I just wanted to get to know our councillors and uh, our MPs. And, and as you do that, we can actually uh, hold them a little bit more accountable. And uh, we, ha we actually, especially as leaders, have an uh, obligation to let them know what is going on in our city and what we're seeing as well. Uh, is that something that you would really encourage yeah, yeah, look, obviously, Keish, you know, all jokes aside, obviously a great admirer of what you've done there in the, in the city. And what, what you've just described is a perfect example of, of what we all should be doing. Um, you know, contrary to what people think, elected people are, are reasonably accessible. Anyone can ring up and make an appointment. And, and um, you know, we should uh, get involved in their lives as, as you have done and put forward the arguments. It's not rocket science, um, but it, it does take a bit of time and a bit of commitment, as, as you well know, to build the relationships um, and, and particularly to take a long-term view. You've been at it for, for years. As you say, you, you met the mayor before he was even even in that elected position. Um, if, if you can identify people in your local community who you can see as emerging leaders, get to know them before they get into elected office, that's very, very powerful if you've won their trust and they trust the information and the evidence that you give them. Because I tell you what, the other side are doing it. Um, LGBTIQA plus groups are very, very active in building relationships. Um, the people who um, support the abortion industry, um, they are proactive. Um, and, and, and it goes on. Every other uh, crazy cause is out there. Um, and uh, we might as well be just another one, except we've got truth and evidence on our side. Absolutely, and I've been encouraged as I've been able to meet with some of them. I've been able to help um, change their view on different things as well. So that's something we really want to encourage leaders in their cities to engage, uh, meet with their politicians. What are some other ways Christians can engage in um, politics? Well, well, they can run for elected office. And, you know, 20 years ago, um, I, I did that in, in Toowoomba. Um, I've obviously left Toowoomba now and a bit out of touch with local politics. But um, I, I was a 30-year-old youth pastor. I had a background in journalism. Obviously, that was helpful from a professional point of view. But um, I just put up my hand uh, to run, formed a campaign committee. Um, obviously, a lot of Christian people got behind me. And uh, for six and a half years, was able to have, you know, a, an imperfect influence, but, but nonetheless, an influence in the city and had a seat at the um, top decision-making table uh, in the city. And um, again, the churches are a significant part of our of any community and you know politics is not everyone's bag and it doesn't have to be but there's going to be people in every congregation who are wired that way and should be encouraged and even um you know should start preparing for running for elected office it, it takes 
time it will be it'll take money fundraising is a massive thing politics uh, logistics or, you know there, there are people who I think in every church community or citywide church who, who should be identified uh, for these sort of roles and supported and, and help prepared to find themselves in those positions they're not willing to run into the mosque they at least join a um, political party of their choice um, whatever they want because again you can have influence in that yeah, well you can teach and, and so you know i'm really passionate about this and in my new life in brisbane i teach gays people and people that are of the lgbt but a really powerful example of that sort of influence um, came from grassroots members of the lgbt who tried to call policy heads Yeah, the, the vacuum we have left has been enormous and it's been because we have uh, truncated the gospel to me and Jesus and going to heaven and we've let others uh, bring hell on earth because we've not been doing our job of bringing heaven uh, to earth. Hmm. No. Well, we trust this will um, encourage some leaders out there to engage or keep going if they um, have already started. Finally, you have strategically placed uh, not just a koala bear over your shoulder, but also a book, uh, which I have my copy here, I kid you not. 
Uh, the reason why it is selling so well is because um, my name's in there quite a few times. <laughs> <laughs> Your endorsement, Teach. Thank uh, you. Yeah. You're, you're one of the key players in the book. Sure. Thank you. Um, yeah, tell us a little bit about your book and why you've written it and why leaders should read it. Yeah, um, thanks. I appreciate the, the plug. Um, look, in all seriousness, uh, I wrote the book, I guess, out of deep concern about the things we're talking about now because I wanted people to be able to read in more detail um, some of the behind-the-scenes story as to, to why some of the bad things that have happened. Why I've got three chapters on the marriage debate, um, but chapters on... The, the rise of this gender fluid movement and how that's now infiltrated all our schools. And um, you know, you heard uh, Joe Biden at the, at, when he gave his speech, he, he specifically mentioned transgender. That's that's because it's now part of Democratic and Labor Party platform to teach little children that their gender is fluid. That a little boy can be a girl. It's all in their mind. So, so I detail the backstory of how that came about and the silence of the church um, and and the lies of the media. Uh, talk about. Um, abortion, talk about that. Uh, yeah, just just wanting to to lift the lid on what's going on behind the scenes. And it's called I Kid You Not because uh, my publisher, um, when he heard me talking about the subject matter, um, I would keep saying this because the stories are so uh, crazy that they're almost unbelievable. But um, they're footnoted, they're real. No one has come back to me and said, you're lying. All of this stuff happened. I've got parliamentary hand quoted media articles um, but this is the stuff which um, the media will not report, um, but I think people need to know this. And, and I hope it will inspire leaders particularly to have another look at politics and to encourage their people to engage, because if we don't, uh, we are, well, we're in the process of being un overrun by uh, barbarians, and there's no other way to put it. Um, barbarians are, um, have infiltrated our, our politics and sadly, good people that are there, and there's still many good people in politics, but they are weak. And as Alexander Solzhenitsyn said, don't have the will or the courage to stand up for what they know in their heart to be right. So either way, persecution is coming. Well, it's come. Yeah, um, it's coming. Um, so as we speak up, we're going to be persecuted. Um, and if we stay silent, we're going to be persecuted. So I guess we get to... Um, pick our persecution and hopefully... Well, we do. And, and I think we've got to have faith. I mean, look, I suppose my tone has been a bit sombre and, and I feel like the book is a bit of a lament. Um, I've written it as a lament about what could or should have been. But, um, you know, we, we do have faith in a God who is in control. And as you said, you know, it's like the, the lepers at the um, the gate of Samaria. You know, if we, if we go out, um, we're going to die. If we stay here, we're going to die. Now, they, they took a, a step of faith and they went out and, uh, and God went before them and defeated the enemy. I just, I firmly believe that we should be stepping out in the face of the giants, in the face of what seems insurmountable. We should be proclaiming the truth because God's truth is truth for all of humanity. And I believe that human creatures are created in the image and likeness of God and that truth will resonate in their hearts, whether they know Jesus or not. And so our job is to proclaim the truth and it will do its work. And, uh, and of course, over time, uh, God's truth will prevail and his will will prevail. Um, but there could be some pain in the meantime because of our unfaithfulness and our lack of engagement. And uh, I think we need to repent of that and we need to re-engage and then um, go in the strength of God's spirit uh, and proclaim the truth to a world that desperately needs it because they've been sold a packet of lies at the moment. Mm. Um and obviously you're awaiting a um, court case date. Can you give us an update? Because people always ask me about you. 
Um, yeah, so. look, um, in my new life, uh, I'm being sued by a couple of drag queens over a, a um, blog that I wrote. Um, they were reading to children at a Brisbane City Council library earlier this year. I wrote a blog that said that uh, these drag queens are a dangerous, are dangerous role models for children. One was a gender fluid advocate. The other was an adult entertainer. I think there's obvious reasons why that's not appropriate for children. Yet the Brisbane City Council, with a Christian Lord Mayor, uh, supports this. Um, now, I just think that's outrageous. And because I wrote about this on a public platform, uh, they have taken me to the Human Rights Commission. Uh, that's now escalated to the Queensland Civil and Administrative Tribunal, which is a quasi-court. Uh, I'm waiting for them to detail their complaint against me. Um, there'll probably be some sort of a hearing uh, next year. These things grind slowly. The process uh, behind these laws, uh, and these are anti-free speech laws that I've been caught up in under the Anti-Discrimination Act, um, the process is the punishment. But it's also very expensive, and I'm very grateful to um, hundreds of people who have donated to my Legal Defence Fund, which, um, it, which is uh, a big relief and a blessing. But uh, I'd hate to think what might happen to people who perhaps didn't have the opportunity I had to reach people uh, for, for help. Um, as you say, persecution is coming and this is very, very serious. Um, we shouldn't in this day and age have to defend ourselves for saying that people who think that children's gender is fluid and want to present as adult entertainment role models to them are dangerous. Um, the world's gone nuts. Queensland has gone nuts and um, there's going to be more of this unless we speak up. Mm. No, well, we will wait to see what happens. Uh, where can people, obviously they can get your book from Kurong. Uh, where else? <laughs> which is right underneath can't my book. They get yours there, Tish, which is a real shame. But, um, uh, you should that's because I'm that. everywhere and they just can see me. <laughs> uh, people can, um, if people would like to order my book, they can do it through my website, lyleshelton.com.au and uh, I'd be very glad if they did. Or they can get a copy of my book and um, I'll, they can purchase a copy <laughs> of my book. You can do a two for one. They, they can get a free <laughs> copy of yours if they buy one of mine. Well, it's probably the other way around. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, no, thank you for well, your time. I recommend your book, Stish. Yes, I know you do. Thank you, Lyle. Uh, thanks for your time. I'll let you get back to work and um, we'll catch you later. Thanks, Tish.